What's up, y'all? This is Tiny and Kelvin Smith. Running back DeAndre Torrey. Senior receiver Michael Lawrence. Senior guard DJ Draper. And you're listening to Bruni's Breakdown Podcast, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni. And with me is the ill Colin Mitchell. The ill and the cripple. I'm the cripple with my ankle slash Achilles injury, and you are Bruni's the ill. currently uh, questionable for the foreseeable future, and I'm just a couple sick, weeks. So. I'm out for like two weeks. Yeah, I'm and I fine. played over Christmas break too, and so I didn't help. I, I I too played over Christmas break, and then you just got deathly ill and you couldn't yeah. move. For those who don't know, RSV virus is the worst thing that I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> Listen, it's a it's a virus for like babies, right? And mm-hmm. Christmas, there was one of the babies. There was a baby. There was a baby that had it. Bro, eight of the people that were at that Christmas thing got this. Oh, my god! My my uncle, my step-uncle did. The, the, the baby's dad and mom. Another baby that was there. Their dad and mom. That's... And then her dad, her her mom. Okay, yes. And the I was specifics like, are very important here. You know, <laughs> let me tell you. Have y'all ever had to use multiple towels to blow your nose? All right. I have now. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, well, hello, audience, for the first time in a month. How are y'all doing today? I hope y'all are doing well. Colin is back alive. Um, my Christmas break was not like that at all. Uh, it did have a baby in it, but um, I played basketball. Your nephew? Yes, my nephew. Shout out my nephew. Wow. Uncle Se- eight, Seven or eight months old. Wow. Shout seven out. or eight. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, I played basketball. I went to uh a base because in san antonio it's a military city you know yeah yeah so i went to um fort sam and we went i went with two of my friends and we went and they we got on fives and we picked teams one of my friends just picked me and my my buddy up and the other team was kind of laughing at us because i guess they got you know the quote-unquote better players the best players oh and they they looked like players i was like all right let's see so we go out there laughing yeah they were laughing they're like, are you, they're like, you sure you, you wanna you want them? And I was like, okay, you know what? Just give me the ball. Give me the ball. And so we get the ball. We start playing. We seven zero skunk them. I swear, I swear, seven zero skunk them. Did they laugh? We lost the next game. No, but we were talking so much, so much to them, bro. So much. I'm proud we were, of you. We were just like, get off the How court. How many points you man, had? That was easy. Of those seven, I only had three. But hey, that's like it counts forty percent. Then we lost the next game fifteen to nine to them, and we just kind of went back and forth. Regardless, that's okay. Fun times. That probably didn't help my injury to my ankle, but I played whatever. legitimate players, and it was awful. You'll get there, Colin. There You'll was like a there. guy that plays like you, except he was like six foot three. If I was six three, I'd be in the league. <laughs> so, anyways, North Texas <laughs> basketball. Okay. It was it was very serious. Let's right? just yeah, let's just let's just move on. Let's just move on. I'm just gonna let him have that. I'm just gonna let him have it. Um, no, no, no. But <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, we haven't talked to you in a while. We went through the entire Christmas break. I had to go back to San Antonio, and uh, we missed. Let's see, we missed the final four conf- non-conference games. Right, we missed uh, Little Rock, Dayton, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and Texas Wesleyan. Only one of those games mattered, which was Dayton, which we were going to do a podcast on, but we couldn't watch the first half because of ESPN Plus. So we were like, screw that. We played so, 2K, though. We did play 2K. I won, he won. Yes, I won, and you claimed you won. The game wasn't over oh by any stretch. Anyways, we're not getting into this. And so that was the only game that mattered, and that was, um, I don't know how to describe that Dayton game, but everyone who saw it understands what I'm saying. Like, Dayton came out and just imposed their will. Opie Toppin's a great player. They're a great team. 
I'm probably going to pick them to go to the Elite Eight. So there's no real shame in losing to them. And then they played, you know, those other two schools that, like, doesn't really matter. And now we're here in conference play, Colin. The time, the moment that will define this team is conference play. Yay. And we're here. And unfortunately for North Texas, they had to start on the road in a two-game road stretch against Western Kentucky and Marshall. And that was a pretty uh, stout stout lineup when you think about it. Like, couldn't get some home games here or anything like that. You had to go on the road against I mean, Marshall you get, and You got home games this week. Yes, five of the next seven are at home, so we'll get into that. Yes, what so we stop ex- complaining. We'll get into what we expect from them going down the line. But to start off with Western Kentucky and Marshall was definitely a test for this team, and I'm kind of glad they got them out of the way. And I'm glad they split it. So that, I think we're all glad they split it. Know, they would go 0-2. We'd be in, if they were 0-2, we'd come in here with a very different attitude than what we have right now. They very nearly almost did go 0-2, though, and we'll talk about so, that. I was so scared. So anyways... um. Let's recap the games real quick, and then we'll talk talk about our bullet points, and we'll also answer y'all's questions because we got a few, got a few questions. I think we got like three questions. So, first, West Kentucky was a game that I felt like was just had so much to talk about just from that game alone. Like you go, you're North Texas, you jump out in front, you know, you get the lead, you're playing amazing basketball you're playing basketball that we kind of expected this team to be playing in conference usa right great defense you know making shots um they weren't even hitting threes though they were getting to the paint easy they were doing all this great stuff slicing up the man-to-man defense western was playing they got a 45 49 to 35 colin and then western kentucky goes on a 35 to 8 run in eight minutes now that can only be described as a collapse (laughs) <laughs> and I don't think I used the word crumble in my recap, but no, it was a collapse. Yeah. It was it was a very easy to see ESPNU, you know, all eyes were on them collapse. So that happened and then North Texas kind of made it the game, but they never really pulled within like eight for the rest of the game. West Kentucky pulled away with the win. West Kentucky got really hot from three. That's very much worth noting. Uh, Tavion Hollingsworth left the game in the second half, but then they just started like raining threes. They ended up shooting 12 of 25 for the game. West Kentucky did. And guys like Jordan Rawls, um, Cameron Justice, and Jared Savage just lit up North Texas. Lots of contested threes. Oh, man. They were hitting deep threes, contested threes, lightly contested, heavy contested. And there was not much North Texas could do about it. And then West Kentucky got in the press. And it made it even worse. And zone. And zone. That. Yeah. They went press and then they fell into a zone or they just went zone. I mean, there was nothing that North Texas could do to beat that. Those defenses West Kentucky was throwing at them. So um, what were you thinking watching that collapse? Because I know you watched the first half and then your TV went out or your, okay, so your stream went out. My fault. Yeah, it, it was playing the game before. The Florida Gulf Coast game. So I was like, all right, well, that doesn't help me at all. So you watched it back <laughs> yeah. knowing that they lost. But what, what stood out to you about that run Western Kentucky had? So it, it seemed like North Texas was too scared to continue doing what they were doing in the first half. Mm-hmm. In the sense that they were trying. It, it, it almost seemed like they were they were trying way too hard to protect the lead. where And they, they just got really tight. They didn't play loose. And it was just like, what is this? It kind of felt like North Texas knew that. That was their best. And it's like, well, it's not going to get any better than what we just did in the yeah. first half. So it's like, I hope we can just be like 
close to that and we'll just hold on to the ball and we'll just like try I, not I, to I, screw I don't even it up. know if it was that. It was more so like it's like they went to the locker room and they're like, "Okay guys, we're up uh what were they up it was. 10 only 10 at half. Right. That was another thing. It like they should have like been more. up more. It felt like more. Uh so we're up 10 guys. Let's just play the way we played against Virginia mm-hmm. the rest of the game. Let's just play the way we played against all these really good teams the rest of the way. Whereas and obviously that slows them down, but whenever you're playing full court press and they fall into a zone, you come up you're you're at you're playing a half court offense against a zone with like 20 seconds left. This team already isn't good at that. Yeah. And then they just can't score. They had a, a lot of open threes that they missed mm-hmm. and they just couldn't score inside. Yeah, I mean you kind of talk, you mentioned it. The press that Western had was it wasn't intense. They weren't trapping hard to like get turnovers. Right. They were, it was kind of like a nuisance press. And by the time North Texas got the ball down into like their third, it was like there's 20 seconds on the shot clock. Like, right. And you're playing a zone. Like, so you have to work the ball. So it be- resulted in a lot of late shot, late clock opp- um, shots. And they couldn't post up as much as they wanted to because, well, also because the foul trouble. I think this was something that I didn't actually write down, but we definitely need to talk about was it showed the shortcoming in their big man rotation. They only have three big men pretty much. They don't they don't prefer to play Maya unless if, you know, one of them is in foul trouble, but they have Zach Simmons, Dangu, and Thomas Bell. Those are their four and fives. Fours and fives pretty much. Yeah. Those are the three that they want to rotate ideally. Zach got in foul trouble. He played I think eighteen minutes or something like that. Um Zach Simmons played eleven minutes. And then Dang got in foul trouble too and he finished the game with four fouls and so with both of them Maya had to play more minutes and yeah so their post-up game was out of um out of sync then the the pick and roll with Maya instead of you know Dang or Zach is just completely different like yeah there's just so much that went into that alone and it was like okay well this is crumbling but then I thought personally they were still scoring at a decent clip right and they finished the game shooting uh like 55 percent or something like that I was like, if they could just get a stop, yeah, they could do this. And it wasn't even so much so that just get a stop, if they could stop also turning the ball over with offensive foul or throwing the ball out of bounds. I mean, there was so many miscues in that mm-hmm. second half on the offensive end that just gave gave Western free points. Because yes. most of the most of Western shots, I mean, I'm not gonna say most, probably like 45 percent of their made threes in that second half were just like they shouldn't have gone in. Yeah. No, they they were they were very tough shots, but I mean that's what happens when you play at home. Yeah, you get momentum. Yeah, you play a team that's kind of I don't want to say scared, but kind of shell shocked. Whenever you go start a run and you're like you're actually like making these tough threes, it's kind of demoralizing for a defense. Mm-hmm. And Western got out and ran. They did what they do best. We saw Josh Anderson go and throw down a nasty dunk. And when this when this Western Kentucky team, because they don't have Charles Bassey anymore, when this team goes out and gets running in transition, the other team is screwed. Like they have too many athletes, they have too many dudes that can yep. hit can hit threes in transition, dunk in transition, and just make smart plays. That's why they're still the most talented offensive team in Conference USA, even without Bassey. And that's crazy to say, but they are, and they have dudes like this that can do that. And so North Texas kind of just let it get out of hand, let it. Let it accumulate, and I just kept thinking, man, this defense, North Texas defense, is, in my opinion, still a top three defense in Conference USA. Like, they are an elite defense in Conference USA. They needed to get one or two stops, string a couple stops together, and they couldn't do it at any point. And that is partially a tip to the tip of the cap to Western Kentucky for hitting those contested shots for 
putting those guys in foul trouble, like doing everything they need to. But then North Texas, I feel like just got so demoralized so quickly. Yeah. And the the crowd got in into it for West Kentucky and it was just over. And so that was, it was pretty, it was alarming to me in a sense. Cause I thought that this team maybe not wouldn't score when they needed to, but I thought they would definitely get stops when they needed to. Yeah. And they didn't do that. To be fair though, the only person scoring for like the first 10 minutes of that second half was DJ. So <laughs> yes, DJ did so, keep them alive. So <laughs> So maybe maybe it wasn't necessary. Maybe they were faltering on both ends. So yes. Um, anything else on the Western game? Like just in general. Um, should I read the box? Uh, I won't read the box score off. But I will say that Javion had a very good game. Nineteen points, eight assists. Dang had eighteen points and three boards. Um, and then yeah, it was just a bunch of other guys that kind of just stepped up here and there and did their thing. Mo only finished with nine points that game on three of seven shooting. It was. A five turnovers he kind of went away <laughs> i yeah. don't know how it disappeared i guess is a better adjective uh, verb but it's kind of what it felt like we were waiting on mo to get going and that never really happened so but we'll talk about all that later so the marshall game real quickly it was a really fun game to watch for me i was just like i was on the edge of my seat the entire time because they there were 12 lead changes marshall seemed like a team that was like solid that wanted to do something. They wanted to get out and run. They wanted to score. They wanted like guys like Kenzie and other guys to shoot threes, to get to the rim and all this stuff. And North Texas was just like, no, we're going to slow it down completely. They're going to do what they did against VCU and Arkansas and all these guys. They're going to slow it down. And it actually, it worked. But North Texas was still able to score, I think, at a pretty efficient clip. They ended up shooting 49% from the field. So it was kind of a contrast in styles, which the, uh, the broadcast made sure to note of. Um, I'm still not over the color commentator, by the way. The color commentator was, oh, the, he must have been like 70 years old. All I like know 60. is that anytime anything happened, that it's was, like, oh, yeah, it was just constant oh. like amazement. The man, he couldn't, he couldn't believe his eyes that man. whole game. And another thing is these teams went back and forth like post-ups for like a five minute stretch, like dang post-up, Zach post-up, and then Marshall post-up. And he was like, oh man, I've never seen such a quick move. Apparently out of the post. to that guy, dang is the best guy to oh. spin move in the entire world ever. Yeah, ever. H- Hakeem Olajuwon, move out of the way. Dangu is here. <laughs> but um, no, so it was it was a fun game to watch because there were a lot of different layers to it. Marshall trying to speed it up. North Texas slowing it down. North Texas speeding it up uh, at the end of the first half, I believe, to kind of get their momentum back after Marshall fought back to, um, to tie it, I believe. And North Texas, let me get the scoring up real quickly. North Texas took a... Yeah, so North Texas took like a seven-point lead with 13 minutes left in the first half, and then Marshall claws all the way back, and just, where is this score? Hold on. I don't know. I'm not going to bore you with the specifics, but anyways, it was a back-and-forth game, 12 lead changes, and I was really worried. I don't know about you. I was worried that North Texas was not going to win this game. I was very worried because toward the end of the game, they were up, I think, 65-57 at one point at the very Mm -hmm. end. What was the end score? 65? 67-64. They, okay, so they scored one They more. were up 64-59, to 59, I believe. Well, okay, it was a 64. Okay. Let me find the scoring since I have the scoring right here. But they were up five yeah, at one point. All I know is that it, it, they didn't score for like a solid three minutes. It was 61-56. And then it was 65-59. Yeah. And yeah. So they, they held that 65 for, I want to say, like three or four yeah, minutes. Yeah, until four seconds left in the game. Yeah, and that was terrifying that whole entire time. Yes. Because it felt exactly like Western... So uh, I wrote in my recap, Marshall had 
went 0 for 4 with a turnover on those last five possessions. After it was 65. No, after they made it. It was after they made it 65-63 with 2.16 left. Yeah. Like, nobody scored. Yeah. It just stopped. And yeah. I was like, this is terrifying. Yeah. Like, let's not do this. And nothing happened. Um, To me here, I wrote down my takeaways over here so that way I don't forget them. There was a... The, oh, this was... Hold on. I wrote down my recaps. See, this is what happens when you do a podcast for the first time in a month. You start losing where you, like, write down stuff. You're not oh. in the same rhythm you're in. Um, the defense was more consistent this game than in Western, obviously. Like, they actually held West Marshall to, like, under their average throughout the game. Yeah. They didn't let Marshall get going. They didn't let them um, find that rhythm in transition. That was big. They posted up a lot. Um, <laughs> I also have written down Rose right here just because I, I think I'm going to save Rose for something or nothing. Okay. But shout out Rose. He always, he's always just, I love, I love watching him. (laughs) Great guy. And then, um, so yeah, four players in double figures, Gibson, Hamlet, Goo, and Bell. Um, I mean, you have a lot of, you had a lot of post-ups between Simmons and and Goo. It was a lot of slow down play. And that's when you know North Texas is trying to slow down is when they go in the post. Because there wasn't a substantial advantage for Zach Simmons for most of the game. It was just like, we're going to go here and this alone is going to take 10 seconds. Zach is going to force a double team or he's going to get a hook shot. And it's like, well, let's see what we can do. And so the pace of the game slowed down was pretty slow. I think that North Texas was definitely favored when that happened. And then I started thinking, how many games this year is North Texas going to have to slow the damn game down? Western Kentucky, Marshall, FIU, we know is fast. UTSA is pretty fast. I mean, you start going down the list of teams that like want to play kind of fast. La Tech. La Tech, like. This is gonna. This was already one of the slowest teams in the country, North Texas, and they feel like not that slow. But they're. I don't know. They feel pretty slow to me. They they are slow because they're trying to make the other team uncomfortable, not because this is what we do, right? Right. So it's kind of like we're trying to stop what they're doing, not we're gonna do what we're doing. Mm-hmm. If they were doing what they're doing, I feel like it would be more of a middle pace team. You know, one guy team that could get transition or secondary transition opportunities, but. Against teams like this, I don't know if they think – I don't know how to word this, but I don't know if they trust their transition defense and athleticism to get those like transition stops, I guess. Like yeah. West Kentucky is going to run it on you if you miss a three in the early in the clock. Yeah. Like if this goes up and down, West Kentucky's going to do that. North Texas has the talent to compete with these teams, but it's like it puts more risk, I guess, in those situations. So – but yeah, Marshall, um, again, it was just a really close game back and forth. North Texas was one of five from three in the first half, which angered me. Um, and then in the second half, they went four of eight. That's such a casual, which angered me. <laughs> it, it really pissed me off. I was like, why is North Texas one of five from three? Why have they only taken five threes? And the only make was a Rose goaltend. That wasn't even going to hit It was him. not going to go in. <laughs> and so they basically were 0 for five. And I was like, okay. Oh, anything else on Marshall? Because this is where we'll start. If, if not. No, because I think we're gonna. I think whatever I'm gonna say is gonna get brought up right okay, now. Okay, I'm so. trying to. I'm trying to think of anything else Marshall related. I'm glad they got the split. I'm very glad they got the split. I predicted. Okay, so I'll start with this. Actually, I said they're gonna go 13 to five on on in conference play on Twitter. I'm pretty sure I said that in the preseason. So I don't think you said. I'm that. better than you. You didn't say that. I'm pretty sure I did. We'll listen. I'm pretty to sure it. you wrote it down. No, you had them going coming in like sixth in conference. I had them coming in like seventh. You did not. 
whatever. We'll listen to it later. Okay. Regardless, I said on Twitter that they were going to go 13 and 5 in conference play. Yep. I got laughed at, Colin. I got memed. Are people, you okay? People were, were not nice to me. Cyberbullying? Got some DMs. You got DMs? No, I didn't get DMs. Oh, I was going to say, dang, I didn't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, No, no, no. But people were like, okay, sure. Side-eyeing like, you. You you do that. He's not credible anymore. And then they lose to West Kentucky, and it's like, come on See. now. How are they going to go 13 See. and 4 the rest of the way? I'm like, in the back of my head, I'm like, I knew they were going to lose to West. Not new. I'm not going to say new. I predicted 13-5 with the anticipation that they were, they were going to split these two games. Now, does it make me feel better watching them collapse to Western Kentucky? No. Well, does it make me feel better watching them barely beat Marshall? No. But they did it. They got the split. Yeah. And now you come home for five of seven at home. If you can go five and two in that stretch, that puts you at six and three, which again still isn't on pace for thirteen and five. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I was like, you're not, but not doing yourself. If you go five and two, you go to six and three, and then you get like I think Middle Tennessee is later in the schedule. I don't know. I haven't looked in depth of where their weak point of the schedule is because they have FIU and FAU, and I'm kind of scared of that. Like if they might just split that in a great in an ideal world for me, my prediction they would win both of those. But I mean, I'm kind of expecting a split, but we'll get into that in a second. Um, where was I going to start? I was going to start with, um, God, where was I going to start? Now I've lost my train of thought. Marshall, we were talking about threes. Oh, that's what it was. All right, good, good, good. This is a, where we'll start. So Western Kentucky, they only had five free throw attempts. Yes. They didn't, they couldn't get to the free throw line. Um, they were just settling, I guess. And there was like no, I'm sorry, they went 10 of 10. 10 of 10. From the free throw line. So the obvious emphasis when you see that number is we need to get to the free throw line more. And McCaslin said was after after the West Kentucky game, he was adamant that they didn't they stopped being aggressive. So in the Marshall game, they come out, they attempt nine free throws in the first half, they attempt five threes. And I thought to myself, this is an obvious point of emphasis. We're gonna get to the hoop, we're not gonna settle, and we're not gonna take as many settling threes in a sense so like most threes where he'd come off the screen and kind of just shoot them it's like no let's try to get in the paint let's try to get some better looks and that also happens when they tried posting up like that was evident that they tried getting in the paint post up gets free to line my question is are they going to have to be a team that kind of picks and chooses or are they going to get to the point where they're going to be good enough to we're going to penetrate and we're when we penetrate we're going to be effective and we're going to be so effective that whether it's penetration or post-ups, we're going to be so effective that they're going to have to help, and then we start finding shooters. Because in the ideal world, that's what you want. I don't know why that's not already a thing. No, it, it is what they want. But right. I don't know if they, I don't know if they have the ability to say we're going to get in the paint and we're going to try to and we're going to finish at an effective rate to force help, and then we're going to kick to our shooters. Because I feel like right now, or maybe in the preseason or in the non-conference season, it was kind of pick or choose. So it was maybe like, all right, well, let's try to find our shooters yeah. this time. Let's Or let's try to get in the paint. Let's post up more. It kind of felt like a give or take in a sense. Now we're seeing that, at least in the first half against Marshall, I thought that was blatantly evident that they didn't take any threes. Rose came in, took two threes, and that was two of their five. <laughs> and so there wasn't as much freedom from three. And so that's why I'm interested to see how that freedom kind of balances. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Because right now they're only, I guess, aggressive inside score would be Javion. And outside of that, 
goo on the inside, but then the other ones they seem like manufactured though, right? Right, right. And nothing is like well, Javion I wouldn't say is manufactured. No, 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 no. I meant the Dang and the Zach one. Yeah, yeah, because it's like it's set up. It's clearly like you know that's gonna happen. Whereas Javion, it's like okay, off a screen, he can shoot, he can pass, or he can drive to the basket. You need more of that, and I want to see more of that from Thomas especially. Because that's mm-hmm. kind of what he was brought in to do, was kind of be that yeah. dude that can come off the bench and be aggressive and go to the basket. Exactly. So. Um, all right. I want to ask the question, or I want to not ask the questions. I want to know. We have three questions that I'm going to run through real quick. And again, thank you all for your questions. We very much appreciate it because we have a lot to talk about today. So we're going to go through the questions first to make sure that we address what you want to hear. The, the audience. What you, the audience, want to hear. Wow. First, from Hall G. We've never had a Hall G question, but thank you for your question. Do you think Hamlet takes the role of the leader on this team? This is a perfect question because this is an entire discussion that we need to have here. He already has. What was the question? As, does he take Do you the think role? Hamlet takes the role of leader on the team? Yeah, he already has. It's This is his team now. Just based on what he's done, whether or not it's vocal or it's just by example, it's his team. Yeah, it it is okay because so, anytime they needed a bucket against Marshall, especially when I text soon, I'd be like, Javion's amazing or yes. whatever. Yeah, anytime, anytime it was a, either some ridiculous left hand floater from the baseline or it was a behind the back crossover yeah. into a mid range. I mean, he, he makes things. He's making plays happen now, whereas before it it wasn't necessarily true. It was almost Mo's job. Whereas now it's just like, okay, give the ball to Javion. Like, I want to see the ball in Javion's hands now. Who's the better player, Mo? Better offensive player, Mo or Javion? Javion. What makes you say that? Mo is limited if he is targeted by defense. Mm -hmm. And it is limited to his deep threes. And that's what we've seen these past few games. Because if the reason why Mo scored or Mo was so good early in the season was because he was. Grant was like, hey, wherever, or whoever was like, hey, give Mo the ball. He'll, we'll just see if he can make something happen. And mm-hmm. he did sometimes, but it wasn't necessarily super efficient. Lot. Yeah, he, he did a lot, but it wasn't necessarily super efficient. And mm-hmm. it was like kind of a last ditch effort, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Whereas Javion, it's more like, oh yeah, I like that shot. It's reliable. Right. It's, it's, it's sustainable. Sustainable. Whereas Mo, it's like, oh yeah, it's a deep three. He can do that. Or, oh, Mo's driving into the paint and he kicked it out like D Rose. Do you remember how good Mo's passing was? Yes, no, I'm not saying Mo is incapable of those things, but I'm saying that when he is targeted by defense, it clearly has showed mm-hmm. that he's not been... Well, the thing is, the last two games, yes, you could say he's targeted by the defense, um, obviously being a great shooter and being the great the scorer that he is, he is a great player. But it kind of felt like, to me, like his opportunities dropped a lot more as well. Like He wasn't forcing it. He kind of was just letting the game come to him as as much. But and is that good? In the first month of the season, that never happened. But is that good? Well, it's, it's a different product of the offense. So he's being more patient. He's letting the game come to him. And he's not going to average 15 a game if that if that's the way he plays because he was so good. Like, you could look at the... You I don't, could look I at don't the, think he should play like that. All right, so this gets into a different... This gets right, into my yeah. next point. So you look at the first few games and it was like, you know, Arkansas, what they did in the Bahamas against Rhode Island, Utah State and stuff. Mo was keeping them in games. Yeah. Like their defense as a whole was great. And then Mo offensively was the catalyst. That was what was doing. That was what was keeping them in games and allowing them to Let, play. Let's, let's talk about this real quick. The way that this team plays now, 
would you say that it raises the floor or mm. raises the ceiling? We love talking about this. I know. It's great. So, okay. We have to talk about the dynamic here between Mo and Javion. Because I don't even necessarily think it's a Mo and Javion thing. I think it's definitely a Mo and Javion thing. What else? What, what do you mean by I that? Think it's, I think there's too much emphasis on we need to get the post involved every single play. Okay. I... Because Bruni can, can say this. I, every time I, I see a game that they play, when they play, it doesn't even have to be fast-paced. If it's just like, if Mo comes up and it's a shot that I like to see from Mo, I don't care if it's a deep three and he misses or whatever. I know mm-hmm. he can hit it. So yes. shoot, shoot the damn three. I would much rather have that happen three or four times a game instead of them throwing it to Goo or throwing it to Zach. Zach getting double teamed, they kick it out, and then it's a Brook three by whoever. Yeah. I would much rather have that happen. Because it keeps the defense on their toes. Whereas, if you play that slow, they're gonna have time to reset. They're gonna they're gonna eventually know what's gonna happen. There's there's no dynamicism, I guess. It's uh-huh. just manufactured. That's the word you used earlier. Yeah, it's very manufactured. The reason why we're not seeing Mo, or I guess the reason why you're saying I think that Javion is affecting Mo is because the only time that they when they do run free like that, Javion has the ball in his hands and he's able to make something happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they just played that way, Mo would get those chances. If they yeah, so you're saying if they played more free and they were just they weren't so manufactured in a way that we're gonna come down and we're gonna get the paint the get the paint touch we need get the post up we needed yeah. and then if that's not there then with ten seconds left on the sh- on the shot clock we're gonna run a one five pick and roll with Javion and Zach exactly like that's that's, that's what exactly. that's what the offense felt like these last two games yes and or, I hate it and that's <laughs> where the challenge comes for McCaslin to kind of figure out that dynamic because Mo is too good to average nine points a game or whatever. Yeah, he scored nine points in both of the games, I believe. Some something like that. No, no, no. He had fifteen against Marshall because he had those like that eight point stretch yeah. or whatever it was. So Mo's too Which, by the way, against Marshall was a deep was a deep three. Yeah, it was one he was fouled on. Uh, the one he was fouled and on. Then so yeah, fouled. it was back to back deep threes and that then would he pull up early in the shot clock. And then he went to the line. Yep. Uh, he got fouled the other one. Like Mo we're not doubting that there should be no questions that Mo, whether Mo is capable of scoring or not, like at, an, at a high level. The question is, what is the most efficient way of scoring baskets, right? Yeah. So you have Javion on the floor for yep. 30 minutes a game. You have Mo on the floor for 30 minutes a game. Yep. Then you have whatever big Danger Zach on the floor for almost the entire game. When you have all of that going, it's like, what avenue do you want to take? And so when you play two up-tempo teams, I feel like the team, McCaslin and them, kind of just approach the game as, all right, since we're going to slow it down, we're going to go in the post. But I but, wonder if they play a team like, let's just throw it out there, FAU on Saturday, that's not a team that's going to kill you in transition or, or that they perceive to kill you in transition, right. will there be more freedom to, for them and that's going to be the dynamic between Mo and Javion I still think is going to decide how good this team is because if we they can get a this is an NBA you know you know where I'm going with I, the, I NBA know exactly you're with say. the Dame and CJ yep, <laughs> if they can go Dame and CJ here and they can not take turns but they can just kind of play off of each other better this team is capable of making the but, damn NCAA but, tournament but, but see they need to be allowed to play off of each other does that make sense? Yes. In the way that the offense comes. But I, I don't want this team to be reactionary to every team they play. They need to play the way they want to play every game. I think that I think they want to, but I think they're not there yet. Once Mo and Javion are at the point where they can play off each other at an efficient level and they can maybe sprinkle in post-ups and they can get Reese on a three or Rose on a three or DJ on a three, 
because all the threes are products of what they're doing on offense, right? Because you want to get right. paint touches, you want to get no, I can, guys I going completely downhill. Agree with that. And once Mo and Javion are able to be dynamic together on the court, and it's not like with this awkward like Javion has the ball and then like oh Mo scores eight straight points and then okay Javion's got the ball back and then oh we'll post up. It just feels clunky right now. Whereas in a perfect world, by game 16 of conference play, they should be on the same page. They should be like, we're going to penetrate, boom, swing the mo, boom, high pick and roll, boom. Like, you just stuff starts happening. More. My fear is that they won't go to that and that they'll just continue to play this because it's the safe way. I don't think, I think that this post up, I think that the post ups that they did these last two games, I, I'll have to go, I'll go back and count it. I think I counted, I tallied how many post ups there were. I didn't. Check the efficiency on them, but let's see. Yeah, see, there were eleven in the first half, and yeah. I only counted five or six in the second half against. Um, this was Marshall against Marshall, and which is a direct correlation to most scoring eight points. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's just they're right now they're picking their poison. Again, this comes back to they're like picking their poison. They're picking where they want to score, where they are trying the pace they're trying to play. Whereas it should be a lot more natural. Right, exactly. And that's what they're going to try to get to. They're not there yet. They're probably not... They'll probably take them another month before they're close to that. And that's that's McCaslin's biggest challenge right now because in the past two years, it's been, all right, well, we know what we are on, on offense. Like, there's nothing we can do. Duffy's not going to hit over 30% of his threes. Ryan's not going to shoot threes. Ryan is going to just go to the cup and I hope he doesn't get fouled and try to make it. Zach is going to be... Zach, I mean, they knew what they were. Right. This team has so much more capability on the outside and different ways of scoring off of ball screens, different ways of scoring on different pace. This is this is McCaslin's biggest challenge by far. Yeah. And if he pulls it off, this team will be going to the NCAA tournament. If not, they they might make it a round or two, but it's gonna be it's gonna look clunky at times. And we cut. We, I say that coming off of two offensive games that I think were pretty good. Like it wasn't bad. They shot over forty nine percent of right, both of these games. Right, the efficiency wasn't bad. It's just the eye test. And they were this close to being zero and two. Right, because because again the offense became stagnant at the very end of the game. Yes. So that's the biggest challenge that McCaslin has here. Um, where, where who asked that question? Halji, right? Yeah. Ha- Holji, Holji, Holji. <coughs> Um, thank you for your question. NTSN, next question. Um, but we should probably save that one. Yeah, we'll save that one. And then I saw, okay, so he kind of asked us about the post ups. I saw Zach get the ball a lot more in the past two games. Do you think that this goes on for the rest of the year? That's what I'm afraid of. I don't know if it'll happen the rest of the year, but I'm afraid that it will. So let's say, let's say he gets, let's say he averages like eight post ups a game right now, Zach. I'm not, okay. And I'm no, not mad if shots. I'm but. not even mad if it's 11, like you counted, or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it is. I'm yeah. not even. I'm not mad if it stays the same number that it is now. It's just that they can't have Javion dribble the clock down to 15 seconds, then run the play. Mm-hmm. And that happens time and time and time and time again in the second half of games. But you understand why they were trying. To I do understand that, right? why, but don't do that if what worked in the first half got you to where you were. I think the biggest problem for them with West Kentucky was just handling that press. It was disgusting. No, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, def- they don't know. I mean, they had no idea what to do against that. When they fell back into the zone, they I mean, they had no idea. Yeah. But I've seen, we've seen it in other games too, where it's like in the second half, it's just not necessarily a completely different identity. It's just like, it, it goes back to like, they're playing a team 
that they think is better than they are. Yes. Whereas opposed to like, okay, let's just impose our will. Yes. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it is going to be very different. We're gonna, we'll see if that hangs out. Uh, NTSC, I'll answer your, we'll answer your last question. Remind me, we're going to answer his last question when we talk about at the end of the podcast. Okay. Um, and we'll also answer CMCM forever's question at the end because they're both about FIU. So. Okay. We'll talk about that later. Okay, I have a few other things to talk about because this was a fun week of basketball. I have, I have a pressing issue as well. Oh, do you want to start? No, this is something we should probably talk about toward the end. Okay. It involves an argument that you said it was a wall the other day. Oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll end you with just that. sprinkle that in whenever we'll, you want We'll to. end with that. Okay. Okay, we've talked about UNT sacrificing threes for free throws. Um... <laughs> Uh, um, Thomas. Thomas has been active on defense. Da, da, da. Next page. Defense consistency. Hamilton Mo dynamic post ups. We talked about. Okay, here we go. This is a big issue. I was I didn't know if we had anything small to talk about, but this is a big issue here. Zach is having trouble. Yes, on the defensive side of the ball. Not only is he getting in foul trouble now. But he got carved up against West Kentucky's mobile mobile five, who's way shorter than he is. He's probably like six seven or I don't yeah. know six five, six I don't know. But anyways, they played him at the five. He could shoot threes, and then Zach was like, so Zach had to guard him one on one, and that was just like, the dude probably cooked him like half a dozen times. Yeah. And I don't know if all, all those obviously weren't points, but he was killing Zach there, and so it made me wonder like, Zach's getting in foul trouble. And then he's getting cooked against smaller guys. And I'm starting to worry. Like, And some of the fouls that Zach had were fouls that he wasn't committing last year. He was he's swinging down more. He's starting to like not move his feet as well. He's trying to take these charges that like aren't there. Mm-hmm. Like He's not in position for it. He's like, trying to slide. Uh, again, they, they take a lot of charges, or they try to take a lot of charges. Sometimes it backfires on them. But it's their best, I guess, chance at getting turnovers and getting stops in the paint because... When you go straight up, it's hard, I guess. That's their perception of it. And I kind of agree with it, but it's like there's just times where you're not even close to being in position. They tried taking charges. Yeah, it's like, like, like uh, I remember one when uh, I said one that Reese was, restric- was yeah, he was in the, the foot in the restricted area yeah. and the guy was already like in the air for a half a second. Yeah. I'm like, Reese, just get out the way. Let the man just score. Like you lost. You're out of position. So just just you have to know when to not give up the and one not get hurt, like not do all these things. And um, I do think that college refs love calling charges though. I will give them that. Yeah. I feel like there's like half of the times that there are charges. I've never seen so many charges called. Half the time the charges life. are called, I'm just like, oh, that's a block. Oh, it's a charge. <laughs> okay, sure. Man, North Texas ball. There you go. Um, but anyways, Zach is having trouble on the defensive end, which I wasn't anticipating. And do it's kind of made him, knee? it's made him a little more unplayable. Do you think it has to do with his knee? No, I just think that they are playing different defense than last year. Where, where so last year it was kind of like you give him the midi, so it's like he yeah. was just kind of sitting in the paint. Yeah, he didn't have to move his feet. Like, yes, really as and much. so, um, or if they hedge screens and stuff, then he knew what he was doing. It was kind of a lot more um basic, I guess, last year. But but they had the talent, right? They had the talent to be a really good defensive team. And whereas this year, and they were a quick defensive team last year, you know, Mike Miller, all those guys on the perimeter, that Ryan, that could... Yeah, you had perimeter guys. Yeah, you had perimeter guys. This year, it's like him, Dang, you know, 
Thomas comes in. James Reese is 6'6". Um, Hamlet's not not this like super quick defender, but he's a position guy. Yeah, and, you you have average defenders and then like a specialty guy like Reese. Yeah, so you have a lot of like positional defenders. I like calling them. Yeah. And so Zach kind of is playing a different way in a sense on defense. And so I'll have to look closer into this, but he's not in position as much. He's struggling to affect shots without fouling. And that's the biggest concern to me. And so my question is, does this team need him to get back to where he was last year as a defender and not foul as much and play at a high level in order to have the success they want to? Or does Dang and Thomas kind of allot them that luxury of being like, all right, well, let's see if Zach can stay in the game here and, you know, affect shots. If they had another big, I don't think it matter. But it matters because Maya comes into games. I think whenever Thomas and Dang are out there together, that this team is amazing defensively. I agree. But it whenever they have to come out for minutes, But you can only play them exactly. so much. So then you have to throw Maya in when Zach's in foul trouble. When we saw this against WKU and Marshall, mm-hmm. and it was just like... I tweeted out I wanted I wanted just to slide Reese at the four. Yeah. I was like, just slide Reese at the four, <laughs> yeah. put Thomas or, Be- or Dang at the five, and let's roll. Like, Yeah. I was just tired of watching, like... Their big man rotation, or I mean, no offense to Maya, like he's fine. He's a rebounder. He plays hard, but he's undersized for defense. He yeah. doesn't rebound at like a. No one's in a respective pick and roll. Yeah, he, no, his pick and roll doesn't has no gravity on it. Yeah, zero. None, and it's it's just really really hard for them to be effective. I feel like con- on a consistent basis with Maya on the floor. So that's why I'm like, you have those three, and then I just slide reset the four. Like there's. If, if that's worst case scenario, of course, if Dang and Zach get in foul trouble again. But I'm like, you can play a little different style if, yeah. if, if you have Reese at the four. So if you go Reese... Well, it'd be no different than playing Mike at the four. Yeah. So if you have Reese, Javion, Moe, and then either Rose or DJ, you can... It's a completely different lineup. It might get killed on defense even. But that that offensive lineup is just way, way, way better than having Maya in the game. Yeah. And I don't know if Maya on defense is significantly better than having like Rose or DJ on the No, on I mean the and the coaches know that too because the only time Maya comes in is whenever they don't have another option. Yeah. And so I mean, shoot, Reese might be better at five than Maya <laughs> just based on his offensive capabilities. Yeah, and so at that point, I'm just saying when you put Maya in the game again, he he plays hard, he's a good rebounder, like he just doesn't have that gravity on offense. He as a defender, he's undersized. I'm not saying anything that people don't know already. Just try something else. Yeah. I would I would personally put Reese at the four and just Shaquem time. Things. Shaquem is retreating, Colin. Please. Please. If Zach continue continues to regress, does Shaquem time? I've already happen? said my I've already said what I suggest. Put no Shaquem time? No. Okay. I want Reese at the four. Okay. Just because Vernie I feel like spoken. you're already... Vernie has spoken. They're a good defense, and they take charges. They don't even try to block shots. Yeah, there's no point, especially... Yeah, that's a good point. Like, they're not a team that relies on their size, and we saw that last year. They're not a team that relies on their size to be a good defensive team. If anything, I think that defense will be better than having Maya on the court. And then on offense, you it's a different... And I'm not sure they practiced having Reese at the four or whatever, but four out, one in, let's roll. High pick and roll. Shoot, I saw Liberty run five out, so... Well, there you go. Anything's possible. There you go. <laughs> so, anyways, that was my concern with um, with with Zach right now. It's his foul. It's his fouling right now. And I haven't, I haven't looked in depth about these yet, but...
But um, everything we're talking about, I'll probably rise to it. Also, think it's important to note, just because I saw this on Basketball Reference today, although it's only been two games, uh, Goo has like a 26% rebounding uh, percentage right now. I've been impressed with him and Thomas rebounding. Yeah. I feel like Thomas is being a really Offensive rebounding, too, too, especially. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Handling pressure. I wrote down for the Western game that without Mo, the offensive creativity is shot. Is that unfair? I think it's shot anyways at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we talked about that. Yeah. Okay. You want to go something or nothing? Yeah, let's do that. Something or nothing. You said you had one first because you, you stopped yourself earlier. Yes. Something or nothing. Rose getting the MVP and MVP chance in the locker room. After the you win a chant? against I didn't Marshall, see that. I don't know if it was a chant. That undeserved, might be, but but they definitely they definitely said we won this game because of Roosevelt Smart. That's that's that's, that's a petition. That's, basi- that's basically that's basically what Grant said, and so I was very high on Grant on Rose's performance. I liked. I know I liked the way Rose played. Rose had a steal. He played but good something defense. Something or nothing. Roosevelt Smart being the future. Okay, Rose didn't play in the Western Kentucky game. The only reason he came to the Marshall game is because they couldn't do anything on offense. And then he airballed the three. Yes. But he made a goaltended three. And then he made a goaltended three. And that you know, at least he shot the damn three. Good exactly. for him. Um, no, but he played he played good on defense. At this point, I guess the only time he's going to come in is whenever Grant's like, well, nothing else is working. So, But do you think that changes now with this performance? No, because he can't. Does make he any take shots. any DJ minutes? No. DJ has been lights out. Shoot, DJ must, must have played like, what, 25 minutes? Uh, yeah. Yeah, no he way. Played 23 minutes against Western. I think he played 20 something against uh he played 24 against Marshall. Yeah, no. None of his minutes are getting taken away. He is he's been DJ's been fantastic and DJ is getting way more comfortable with the ball in his hands and it's yeah. so funny where I don't see him just like kind of take like little little step inside the arc when he dribbles in. He like actually like tries, tries to drive. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm seeing DJ grow up in front of my eyes. Yeah. Um <laughs> All right, so it's nothing. Roses Roses MVP game. No, it was his game was good. No, but in terms of significance for the future, and, something unless or nothing. he starts making shots, no, it means nothing. Okay. What about you? You didn't. You didn't. Uh, I say nothing as well. <laughs> okay. See, you were trying to save yourself. <laughs> um. Yeah, I say nothing as well. I just don't think that. Again, I mean, you basically said it. If he starts hitting okay. a couple shots, if he goes to now, two for three, now, if, I think I think where Rose fails is being a spot up shooter. Okay. If they start to play free like we want them to. And you got them coming in transition, and Rose is like trailing on something, and gets like a nice little kind of. Rose is one of those guys that needs like the moment to be like, oh, Rose is a guy that needs to like run into a three, not yeah. just step into a three, but like like he needs to be like sprinting behind you, and then JV just needs to like kind of yeah. lay it off, and yeah. then yeah, no, see, if they play like that, like Rose in a corner is like to me, it's like having Maya in a corner. I mean, statistically, you're probably not wrong, but <laughs> but but Rose, we know that Rose is a capable shooter. He is and a capable we know shooter. that Rose could get hot. He could get hot, but he can't get hot off of being a spot-up shooter. He's a volume shooter. Correct. But we'll see if that changes. I'm interested, in, now that I just brought that up, I'm interested to see how many shots per game this team takes compared to the rest of the conference. Just just three-pointers? No, just oh, in general. Like, general? Like, yeah. I'll look at it. Okay. Something or nothing... James Reese's recent struggles. So let me let me let me preface this for all of you. Um actually he wasn't bad against against Western Kentucky at all. He had thirteen points, three of eight from three, five of ten from the field, five boards, three assists, no turnovers. It's not bad. Not bad at all, really. 
And then against Marshall, he played 18, 16 minutes, went 1-3 from the floor, 0-2 from three, had two points, two fouls. That's Those are all the stats. No rebounds, no assists, I think no it's turnovers. Still, I think it's still a thing where he just doesn't really fit what they're doing right now. But how? He's a he's a good shooter. No, he's a he's a, no he's a great shooter. But I think he's he, he's so much he can be so much more than that. Can he? That's what we are promised. So why not? Were we promised that, or did we promise ourselves that? That's a good question. We kind of promised ourselves that. We've kind of pre- presumed, and now I don't know if there's enough of the ball to go around. I mean, with Mo, Javion, Zach, play faster, damn it. We'll see. I'll tell you on Saturday. We'll see if they play faster or not. Because how many Thursday, times have against... you seen him come off a screen? And hit a shot. They're not. Their their offense is not based on off ball screens. Exactly. And it should be. <laughs> I mean, in ideal world, yes, because you want shooters to get open. You want your shooters to have shots. He's only going to get as many. They're, right now, they're they're shooting. Their three point shooting is based off of post ups. Exactly. It's guys standing in corners. High pick guys and rolls, on the wing. Yeah. No. I I get it. I get it. The but side. they have. I feel like they are so much more capable. If they didn't do that. <laughs> okay. So Reese having a bad game against Marshall, something or nothing. Nothing. Just it's just what 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 he, what he was able to get. It's kind of I don't know. I think it's kind of something. I think it's kind of something. I think it's kind of something. Why? Because I mean I just feel like Reese's season has been kind of up and down, up and down. Yeah, it's and because he's, he's not. He's he has not a really good shot. He's on a focal point. I really want him to make threes because I feel like he can. I think I still think he's a sniper, but he can't have these games where he misses wide open threes. I agree. So. That's why it's concerning to me. He needs to be able to make open threes. He's he'd still be the best shooter on last year's team, of course. Outside of DJ, well, outside of DJ, yeah. Okay. Talked about. Am that. I gonna get any of mine in, or are we just gonna that. continue with yours? And we talked about that. There you go. All right, your turn. All right, something or nothing. DJ being the fourth best player on this team. Mo, Javion, Dang. That's that's it. Hold on. He's not the fourth best player. Tom, I'd, pay, I'd take Thomas. Oh, I'm taking Thomas, and then he's not. He's not top five. I can't take him over. All right, so you have either Reese, Zach, or DJ. That's a that's a, that's tough, man. Because like I said, I haven't been blown away with Zach's play, but he still has gravity on offense when he rolls to the basket. They they're throwing him lobs. He can still force double teams on post ups. And then who was the other one I said? Reese. Reese, still a great defender. Still, I still think he's a great shooter. I'm not putting DJ over those two guys, especially Dang. since he went 0 for one against Marshall. Shot one time in 24 minutes. Hey, but in Western, those 10 minutes were his 10 minutes. They they were great. I'm not putting him over them. No, so, nothing, nothing. Okay, nothing. And you have another one? Do you want me to ask one? Yeah, you can ask one. Actually, no, that's all. That's what I had. I had yeah, I just thing. had one about DJ. It's okay. Something or nothing. Okay, bet. How long are we at? Fifty. What was the other thing I had? Yeah, not F- not not yours. Oh F- oh, FIU. FIU. Okay. Uh, NTSN asked, how much do the upcoming games against FAU and FIU determine this year? I feel like it's a loaded question. It feel no no no. It feels like it's a. This is gonna question tell question that like shouldn't. We shouldn't have to answer that we're two games into the season. No. Because Bro, we, there's no way the third and fourth games of conference play out of 18 are going to decide the year. I feel like they can foreshadow the year. They're not going 0-2 in these two games. 
No, I don't think they will, but I'm saying it can if, foreshadow the year. If they go one and one, we're all just going to be like, all right, well, it's not great, but... Kind of like how we are now? Yes, but we're kind of... <laughs> well, it'd be worse than what we... If they go one and one against these two teams... And oh, again, yeah, it's definitely worse. FIU is good. Yeah. Um, But to lose them at... To split at home would be something that would be, like, not good. So, um, I don't think it has any impact besides record. I don't think it has an impact, but I think it can foreshadow what we may or may not see. In terms of what? In terms Offense? of what this team will eventually be. Whether it is actually... Offensively? No, no, no. Not offensively, but I'm talking about just, like, in terms of who this team's able to compete with throughout the season. Because, like, how much more can you improve? I mean, I tweeted this. Is any team in Conference USA as good as the Old Dominion last year or Western last year or any of the past champions? I feel like no. I feel like Western yeah, Kentucky's like probably no. the favorite, and they're 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 worse they're than okay. they're worse than their last year's team. Yeah, I mean, what last year's team did have a lot of problems for Western Kentucky, but like last year's Old Dominion team. No, that that, that Old Dominion team was solid across. Oh, you the put Stith and Caver in this. Yeah, team you, have, with, you have you have two six five with, guards with a seven two guy in the middle with yeah. uh, um uh Green. No, so there's not that dominant team. I think that we saw UTSA and FIU come down to the wire. We saw. <laughs> That, um, that last yeah, second play I was know. stupid. I know, but we've seen everybody kind of be everybody. I thought UTEP was going to be good. They're zero two. Like, I don't want to give a whole conference USA rundown right now, but I will. But no, um, I just don't see that team. That like, oh, they can't compete with this team. Like it's over. I don't. I don't think it's a necessarily compete. But I think to where we all think that this team. I think people want to believe that North Texas is supposed to be that team, not necessarily the juggernauts that Old Dominion was, but to be. A favorite in in a sense like to kind of be up there with the western kentucky mm-hmm. like on a tier of its own almost people i mean even louisiana tech team that everybody's in love with that people have already I mean, that's, crowned, just, that's just daquan bracy people have already crowned them as the um the champions uh i just i was watching them play southern miss and they're they're good don't get me wrong they're good but it's just like I don't see them. I don't see them being the team that, like you know, that the other the past champions were. So you have DeQuan Bracy, Amor- Am- Amori Archibald, De- um, Derek Jean, all these guys. Those three guys are returners. Oliver Powell, fourth. That's a fourth returner. Then you have Crawford and Muhammad and other guys that can play too. And so it's like they beat the hell out of Southern Miss. They beat them by twenty eight. And so they're probably in first right now. But I just don't think you can look at this conference season and be like, oh well, if they don't beat those two teams, then they're screwed. So I don't. That's why I don't put much stock in these two games. As far as like, yeah, big picture. No, I get it. We're in game three and four right now, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm okay. I'm trying not to hit panic buttons too early anymore. Pump them breaks. I'm no, I'm to... a, I'm, there's no panic meter for me yet. I agree. Yeah, I don't. It's not even possible. They lose both of the, these next two games, then we'll talk. But <laughs> all right, God, no. CMCM forever asked, "How well does North Texas match up with FIU?" I'll answer this one briefly. FIU again is one of the fastest teams in the country. They play fast. Um, and then they have Osagai in the middle and he is a very big problem for teams. He's, I don't remember how many blocks he has on, at the moment, but I mean, he's a guy that puts up big block numbers and they are a team that presses and can like funnel you to him and just let him clean up. So I'm very worried actually about the FIU game because the pace does not favor North Texas. The, I feel like he averaged like three and a half blocks. A Asa- he probably averages that right now. Osagai... In the middle, it does not favor North Texas. No, especially if Zach's in foul trouble. 
if he gets Zach in foul trouble, they're really going to be in trouble. Then I really want to see the Reese at the four lineup because... <laughs> then they need to run. That's what I'm saying. If Zach's not in the game, they just need to go. But it, it's easy to say that. It's another thing when FIU is probably is going to be a really tough defensive team that's going to pressure you, that's going to force you to get uncomfortable. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, again, that game I don't feel good. I don't feel great about. The FAU game is the one that they need to win. The FIU game is one that I want them to win. Kind of like this week, this past weekend, except you know, it's week two now. It's not week one. So. Gotcha. Okay. Um, trying to think if there's anything else I'm missing. I'm trying to make sure my notes are all clean. Zach Mo Mo uh, defense pressure. Zach, hmm, I think we're all good in that. Reese, Reese, Mo. Let me know if there. I'm gonna read out the players. Let me know if there's anyone you want to talk about real quick. James, Mo, Javion, Dang, Zach, Rose, Thomas, DJ. Those are the eight main ones we talked about. Them, uh, Jackson, um, Jalen Jackson is getting a good amount of minutes. Not a good amount of minutes, but you know what I mean. Like he's getting some. Do we want to see more of Jalen Jackson? No, we don't. Um, I'm trying to think. If there's anything with anyone else? Larry has been. That's perfectly fine with me. Cut. He's he's been. The only way Larry yanked. will be will get more minutes on this team is either if one Jalen just completely awful on defense ne- the ne- in the minutes that he plays, or if he's able to become a wing that can play off ball. Yeah. Like a slasher. Yeah. So there. So yeah. So that was that was interesting. That's been interesting. I haven't even thought about Larry, but yeah, it's hasn't hasn't played much. Okay. Or I mean, at all in conference play. Okay, Colin. So we're at about 52 minutes. We can talk about this now. Can um, I open it up? Let me open this up. Oh, you want to open it up? I have to open it up. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Are okay. you sure? No. Go ahead. Okay. Man. So when Bernie was out and I became a uh, the the live tweeter for Mean Green 24-7, because, you know, that's that's what I got to do in, in times of need, yeah. I said, Javion scored the last 10 points. Who's Ryan? Question mark. You know, I got somebody that said, okay, don't say that. You know, people said not to compare him to Ryan. Ryan's special. Ryan even liked one of the tweets that replied to me and disagreed with Ryan me. Ryan hates you. And then I got more more, uh, more disagreements to me from uh, some people we know that said that mm-hmm. Grant should have made the team fit around Ryan and that Ryan's the best player. How can he be on the number one team, but he couldn't work here? Guys, listen here. Oh. Ryan, right now, if you put him on this team and replace him with Javion, this team would be worse. I don't think it's a hot take at all. What do you think, Bernie? I didn't say anything. Um, man. Man, worse. I think... All right, here's what I will say. Javion fits this team better than Ryan. Right. And I don't think it's particularly close. I think that the way that Javion plays... The way he's able to off, come off a ball screen and be able to shoot the three, shoot the midi, shoot a floater, you get know, to the hoop. That's four levels you he's know, able to you, score at. You know how much better it is to watch Javon in an ISO than Ryan in an ISO with a guy sagging off at the free throw line, knowing that's going to be the same finger roll layup every single time? So let's let's get back to the heart of this argument that okay. people people yeah. people want to have. Because the argument is Ryan's special, and we can't compare to Javion. So... Again, if you look at their offensive skill sets, I don't think it's particularly close. I think that Javion has way more variety in his game. Um, Javion is has 
probably a better handle. He's not as athletic as Ryan. Ryan is more athletic. Right. Ryan's quicker, Ryan faster, better can, defender. Yeah, can get downhill, can probably finish. But Javion's shooting probably almost 90% from the free throw line. Javion is hitting off the dribble threes, spot up threes. Um, he's not, I don't remember how much he's averaging per game, but he's, he is scoring and he's, again, he's getting better right yeah. now. That's hitting a big floaters thing. from all parts of the floor. He's hitting more from the base. He's scoring how at many, all four levels. How many baseline floaters have you seen Ryan hit? None, but <laughs> exactly, but no. Okay. So I don't want to just get into this thing of who's better on, on paper, because I think that it goes, it is a much more interesting argument when you have it in the context of what they I agree. are I agree. as pertaining to the team that they're on. Yeah, I agree. If you put Javion on Gonzaga, Javion would not be good and no, Javion, Javion probably would not play. Yeah, Javion wouldn't play. <laughs> Ryan is on the court at Gonzaga because he has a few special skills. That you always hear when you get to the when you scout college players going to the NBA, you say what is their skill that's going to get them on the floor, right? Landry Shamit He's a shooter. He can get on the court because of that. You look at a guy like um, Matisse Thibel for the Sixers, his defense is going to get him on the court. You need to have that one thing that's going to get you on the court at a higher level, right, mm-hmm. than what you're at. For Ryan, the thing that gets him on the court at a higher level is he's a he's a good decision maker. He is a good defender. Um, oh, he's a he's a very good defender. Yeah. I, I don't want to take anything away from that. Ryan is a very good defender, and he can finish around the rim at a pretty good clip. All of those things combined, when you watch Gonzaga play, and I've watched Gonzaga play three and a half times, you look at Tilly, you look at Petrusev, I can never say his name, Petrusev, um, and then you look at Kispert, they're three, four, and five. They probably have the best three, four, five in the country. Okay? When I watch them play, then you have Gilder at the, at the two, and he... Now, Ryan does create. Ryan gets assists. Ryan scores, even. And uh, the big thing with Ryan going to Gonzaga is that they... They've played good teams, but they don't have a particularly difficult schedule, especially when it gets in conference play, right? Yeah. So they the only only the only other good team they play is St. Mary's. Yeah. Like then it's like San Francisco. Like, okay. They're gonna run through that. Ryan's gonna look great in that too. I don't even doubt that he's gonna be good and playable against good teams. The thing about Ryan for me is that when you make him the central point of your offense, which he was at North Texas you have to build your offense around him in a specific way. So, and that Grant tried to do that. Yep. All right, let, let's not get yep. this confused. Grant designed the offense around Ryan Woolridge. Yep. They ran last year. All right, they ran a lot. Yes. And they tried to because they knew once they got in the half court, it's like, right. well, shit, what do we do? <clears throat> yep. And so they put Ryan at the point and they said, all right, we're just going to run a 1-5 pick and roll four times in 30 seconds and hope we score off of one of them. And that's what they did. And you can say that Ryan on this team would have more weapons. Obviously, you know, Mo, Mo and Reese. Um, but you had Mo last year. You had DJ last year. The only difference... I mean, you even had Mike Miller at the four who could shoot threes at a 40% clip. Yeah. So I don't even know if spacing was like a, a huge issue as much as we perceive it to be. Duffy right. was the only one that... And Rose were the two that were like, damn, they can't shoot. <laughs> but Rose... But Ryan had the offense designed around him. Yes. He did. It was completely designed around him. The pace was designed around him. The, the sets were designed around him. And whenever he was off ball, we we did a whole film breakdown of it, of where his defenders played him. So if he was in the corner, a guy had a foot in the paint, a pass away. It just wasn't working. And so I can't say that Ryan doesn't have a translatable skill to a higher level 
because he does. He has two, I think. Decision-making and defense. I think those two alone, and then he can finish around the rim. Like, those two things alone make him a valuable player. And Javion would not see the court at Gonzaga in this, on this team. Yeah. In my, again, in my opinion. Because I think Ryan is a better player when it gets to that level because he can do with those few things well, really yeah. well. Yeah. But for this level, Conference USA Basketball, which we are talking about right now, which we cover, you cannot say that having Ryan on this team compared to Javion makes them a significantly better team because you have to change the system, you have to change the, the way you play, and you have to build it around Ryan, and Ryan is not good enough to be the star point guard on offense yeah. of a successful team like, that is consistent. He's like Michael Carter-Williams. Now, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, um, this again, this is not taking anything away from Ryan because right. Ryan... I think again, it was a mutual thing between him and right. North Texas to yeah, to part ways. Fit here. I think Ryan did the best thing for him in his entire college career to go to Gonzaga. Yeah, he's he's playing on the number one team in the Bro, nation. He is playing on the number one team in the nation. He won like conference player of the week the other day. Starting point he's guard. He's doing great things. Ryan was a great guy to talk to. I love talking to him. He, uh, I I could rave about Ryan all all day long, and I really hope that he gets a shot internationally or camp or whatever happens. And he's put himself in the best position to do that because he's talented. He does a few things well. He's going to have eyes on him. He's going to have a ton of eyes on him, especially if they make the Final Four. He's getting a great experience. Like You can't ask for anything more but for Ryan Woolridge. Yep. But I think for this team, and I talked about it earlier in the show, the potential this offense has was something that they would not have if Ryan Woolridge was a point guard. The whole Mo-Javion dynamic, and I compared them to Damon CJ, that is special. Yes. That is that is something that can get you to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Whereas last year, it's like, even if they were fully healthy, they weren't beating West Kentucky last year. No. I mean, they they finished the season at 8-10 and 10 in conference play. Now, again, there were injuries in part in te- to that, but the offense hit a wall. McCa- you can ask McCaslin, the offense just hit a wall. Yeah. It's like without Rose. It's like, we can't add anything. Yeah, without Rose. It's I mean, like, what do you want us to add? Like, Ryan has to have the ball in his hand. So that's that was the toughest thing, and they were a great defensive team last year. So that's why they had to win games fifty-five to fifty. Yep. This year, they they can shoot fifty-five percent against West Kentucky. They can shoot fifty percent against Marshall and pull out games while still not like scoring a bunch. They can score in more ways. They have more variety to their offense, and that's why we want even more variety to their offense because we know the talent that they have. We know Javion, Mo, Zach, Dang, Thomas, DJ, Rose, Reese are offensive players that are, they don't have to be Ryan-esque players. They don't have to have the ball in their hands to be right. effective all the right. time. So that's the only thing is that I think that it was the best thing for both sides. I definitely think that Ryan is doing a great job in Gonzaga. I think he's a very, very good player. And I think that he's going to have a chance to play at a next level, wherever that next level is, because of what he did, he's doing now. If he was at North Texas, though, the team would struggle more than what it would be. And the, the ceiling. They probably go just in ten sig- again. The ceiling's just significantly lower, and I think we said that last year. Ryan was the floor, and Rose was the ceiling. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Rose was the ceiling or something like that. And so now that floor again coming into the season, the floor is a little lower because you have to whole figure out the how the pieces work. But the ceiling is infinitely higher, yep. in my opinion. So yep. that is my take on it. I um, I just don't. I just that's that's what I think. That's it. So I'm gonna say you did everything for me. Thank you. Yeah, I also did a podcast on it, but that was like a month ago. I did yeah. that solo pod on it, but 
it was it was oh, that was a month ago and i feel like now that we have more information now that ryan is right. continuing to play well i feel like you can't say ryan's not a good player no i think you ryan's can. a great player no i know i people who and then people see the numbers ryan's putting up and it's like wow he could be doing that in north texas right and his three-point percentage which oh, again yeah, is only because he's not and he's go ahead the reason why he's hitting threes guys is because he's not even looked at when he shoots a three mm-hmm like he gets the ball in his hands and he did, shoots it. Like, did you see the clip where the coach and the players are like, I don't know why they're leaving yeah, Ryan open anymore. Yeah, exactly. And so, whereas at North Texas, it was like, when when Ryan was off the ball and he caught it, the coaches were telling him to shoot. I've talked to the coach. Yeah. The coach was being like, shoot the ball. So many times you'd see him kind of give it like a, almost a head fake. But and there he'd, was, and he'd, have to, he'd have to kind of size up because he wasn't confident. Yeah, but there was a hesitance for him. Now that he's playing with the best front court in America, he's playing with Armand Gilder, who's from A&M, you have that freedom. Yeah, he, 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 if I miss this three, we'll score the next time off of yes. somebody else. He, whereas then, before, if he, if he, if Ryan was getting the ball late in the shot clock and it was like, it's a three, he knows that if this doesn't go in, then he, it's like being down, it's like a six-point swing instead of a three-point swing. You have to be so perfect that it's right. like, we need to score, so like I can't miss this, and the pressure gets to you. And it's exactly. Like, it's just tough. Exactly. It is tough. So, I mean... um. I'm very, I'm very happy for them, and I'm excited. I hope that they win the whole na- whole national championship. I might pick them to win it. I've watched them play. And you, know what, you know what would be crazy? So good. Would it be crazy if North Texas made it as like a fifteen, a fifteen seed, or like a twelve, or like a twelve seed, and then North Texas won a game, and they met up with Gonzaga? There you go. Hey, there you go. The storyline writes itself. And man. then, and then North Texas wins. You know. There you go. Yeah. Breaking news: That'll Ryan Woodbridge transfers back to. North <laughs> <Texas>. <laughs> oh man, but no good. Um. I think that that was a good, um, good way to talk about it. I'm excited for it. I'm excited. I'm excited for everybody involved. So that's all I had on that. Did you have anything else um, for anybody? No, you answered everything that I needed. Okay. Thank you. We did it. We did it. We're back to potting. Yeah. Next week we'll be back, and next week we're gonna have a football one as well. We will football and basketball podcast. Yeah, we do the football one today, but I'm losing a. Yeah, Colin can barely speak now. Sad. And Maya's gotten like triple her size, so she's probably gonna break the door down in about five minutes. Yeah, Brie's gonna get eaten. She's so big. <laughs> she's huge. I'm very much I'm scared of her. I'm gonna get out of here as soon as possible. Um did the Seahawks end up winning, Colin? Last thing I'll ask. Because as a Cowboy fan, I do not wanna see I do not want to see the Eagles advance. Uh they lost. Bless. Alright, guys. So North Texas plays at home against FIU on Thursday, FAU on Saturday. Be there, be square, or be square, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Man, I haven't plugged stuff in so long. It feels great. Follow us on Twitter at MeanGreen247, CJH Mitchell, and Matthew Bruni underscore. Um, leave us a five-star rating and review. Tell your friends about us. We are on Apple, and we are on SoundCloud, Bruni's Breakdown Podcast. Again, leave us a five-star rating, please, and thank you. Um, I think that's all we had, Colin. I think this was a great podcast. This was the best podcast ever. <laughs> this was the best podcast. I agree. This was fantastic. I was very worried coming into this. I was like, you know, we haven't done this in a month. You know, it's going to knock some rust off. You know, but... we still did say Mason was going to be on one of these podcasts. So we have to we're losing time on that, by Damn the way. It. I'll get it. I'll get it. Okay. Don't you worry. We will get it. Maybe for the next football podcast. I'll make some calls, Colin. I will make some calls. All right. For Colin Mitchell. Bruni's going to put on Twitter. He's going to be like, questions for Mason. And then Mason's going to be like, sorry, guys. Can't today. (laughs) All right, guys. For Colin Mitchell, for Maya Mitchell, and myself, Matthew Bruni, 
Y'all have a great week.